Hello, everybody. Welcome to my second episode of Rams Eye View. Today, I'm joined by one of my best friends. He's a dormy at St. Joe's, Tim Gallagher. What's up, Bobby? How you doing? Not bad. Just chilling right at home. Yeah. Miss being home and stuff. But, you know, it's going well down here. We were just talking about school and things like that and trying not to get buried, but... So tell me about yourself. I know you're a freshman from St. Joe's. What else? Yeah, that's what right. You so uh, I'm among like all, you know, all the Philly sports fans down here, which, you know, not a big fan. Not even me. You and I have been debating over the years all the time over Instagram or over whatever. When no one else understands in the group what's going on. But um, yeah, so I'm from obviously the same area Bobby's from. We became friends in middle school when he... uh move school districts and stuff and we've pretty much been friends ever since talking about sports like when no one else will so what 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 uh favorite teams are you like nba i know you're a heat fan right what yeah i mean the nba is tough because everyone just moves around so much especially in today's age but uh so i kind of root more for players and stuff i mean i root for the heat to win especially now like i love jimmy butler and the way he plays and bam and spolstra like they just have a culture down there that's like really attractive with how they play and stuff. But um, like I'm a big LeBron fan. I really like LeBron and stuff. There's guys I like rooting for, as you know, like I like the way Jokic plays. And the NBA is really more of a league of highlights than it is so much like um, I like college basketball is one of my favorite sports because like the culture is always there. But with the NBA, it's constantly shifting, which really, I guess, makes it just as interesting. But uh, it's it's a different kind of interesting. I definitely agree. And now, Leo, right into our main talk for today, uh, MVP talk. You said LeBron is one of your favorite players, and uh, he's pretty dominant. What year is he? Year 18, I believe. Uh, yeah. For him to be an MVP frontrunner in year 18 is just pretty impressive. And then you also have people like Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic. Those are other three surrounding him right now. So what are your thoughts on all four of those guys? Well, uh, I guess we'll start off on LeBron since that's who you brought up first. I mean, like you said, year 18, the guy's putting up 25, 7, and 7. The Lakers are, I can't even say on top of the West because Utah is still up there. But I think by season's end, they'll still have the one seed. And even if they're the two seed, um, I can't imagine that there's a scenario where they don't make the Western Conference Finals. And I imagine them being in the NBA Finals. So obviously, he's so valuable to his team in that way. He's got AD playing with him, but AD hasn't um, – he hasn't been putting up quite the same numbers he did last year. I mean, obviously, he's still one of the most dominant players and big men in the league. But uh, he's sloped off kind of just a little bit this year, not quite at the same superstar status he was. But, I mean, when you – I'm a big numbers guy, and when you just look at LeBron's numbers, uh, yeah, 25, 8, and 8 basically with a steal. You know, he plays good defense. He's obviously a leader and everyone on that team, the role guys seem to glue to him really well. So, and he's going to be in the conversation every year. And uh, again, I think the Lakers success is going to be a big part of that. I, I think right now he's, he's either favored by a lot of people or he's behind Embiid. I don't think that many people um, have those third or fourth candidates that we talked about on top. But for me right now, I mean, LeBron's, obviously in the, in this top four category, I don't, I'm not sure exactly quite where we can rank them because the season is still pretty early, but obviously LeBron tearing it up. Yeah, um, I agree. I think especially now because AD, I 
pretty sure he got ruled out two to three weeks or about a month he got hurt. But this is really going to test LeBron to see how he stands in this MVP race right now. If he could carry this uh, Lakers team without AD, I mean, this is just going to solidify his number one spot if that's where he's at right now. Yeah, you had a good point. I forgot uh, AD had that Achilles thing. So, yeah, if they were to keep up and potentially, like, surpass Utah or stay with them, I think that's definitely going to help his case in the late season. Yeah, as long as he could just hold that number two spot up in the West. I think come playoff time, AD will be back. He'll be back in shape. LeBron will still. Now, this is where it comes into play. They've – what – the season ended uh, – the bubble ended in, what, October? And they started a season in December. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see if like they get that two seed or number one seed locked up before like two weeks before the regular season ends. I wonder if they're going to sit LeBron and see how uh, the end of the season goes for him. Yeah, that's definitely something. You know, we're always into MVP talks soon. The season starts, but it's really too early to tell right now. It's fun to speculate about yeah. things like that. It's down the road, I guess we'll find out. All right, and talking about Jokic, he is the top two center, if not the best. The Nuggets, let's see, they're number seven, 15, 12 right now. Not bad considering the West is pretty stacked, but uh, Jokic, he seems to carry that team. Leads the team in points, rebounds, and assists. That's crazy, especially when you're center. In today's day and age in the NBA, it's more like a small ball type. Yeah, I mean, like, as you know, Jokic is one of my favorite players. I love I love his versatility. And um, I know, like, people have talked about in the past, like, I love his passing ability and the way Denver can move the ball, especially when you have someone like that who's a scoring threat. He can shoot from three. He's got a mid-range shot. And obviously inside he's got, like, a plethora of post moves and things like that that he can do, like, so efficiently. It's kind of, like, funny to watch him play sometimes because, like, you know, the joke is, like, he's just this big kind of, like, fat white guy like running down the court but like you know he'll just turn around jumper right in someone's face and knock it down and uh as far as his mvp case goes you know again still early to tell but unless i think the nuggets have to at least be uh the four or the five seed in the west for him to put up um i mean he's putting the numbers up just taking a look here 27 11 and 8 with a steal and almost a block per game like so He's getting it done defensively, too, and putting up 27 points. Like, I mean, these are – it's kind of funny now saying just coming off the LeBron topic, but they're LeBron-like numbers. Yeah. And when you think about the type of player Jokic is supposed to be compared to how he actually plays, it's it's really interesting to watch. Mm, I totally agree. I mean, he's definitely up there. Like you said, it's early to tell, but he's in his prime right now. He's carrying that team. He has Jamal. He has all these other pieces around him, but – I just think it's crazy as a center that you're leading your team in assists. Like, that's never been seen before, especially since, like, maybe Wilt. But this guy is just carrying this team right now. Moving on to another big man, Joel Embiid. He's – I'm pretty biased. He's my favorite player. But uh, he's missed a couple of games, which that could hurt his MVP um, conversation talk. But he is unstoppable. When he gets that ball down in the post – He's just double teamed. He could get out of the double team, pass out of the double team, shoot over to guys. And uh, right now they're one and five without him playing. 
And again, I mean, I think you just made the point there. They're one and five without him. The big thing for Embiid's uh, MVP talk, I mean, the Sixers are right on top of the East right now um, over Brooklyn, over Milwaukee. Uh, there's not really much to say about Miami, but just being that they're the defending champs, like it seems to be all Sixers in the East. And that's something, obviously, that's a huge credit to Embiid. Huge credit to their, to their role players, too. Um I mean, Tobias Harris is a little bit more than a role player. He's like a really good second scoring option for them. But um, guys like Seth Curry, he's shooting the ball. What is is he still 50-50 right now from the field and from three? Or he's pretty close. He's still 50-50. He lost that 100% uh, free throw mark uh, recently, I think, in Utah. He lost that streak. Mm. But, yeah, um, I mean, yeah. When you talk about guys like that that can space the floor, especially that's such an important part of today's game, and you have a guy down low like Embiid, who, like you said, can pass out of the double team to someone open who's going to knock that shot down 50% of the time. That's huge. You got a guy like Simmons when he drives and can kick it out if he gets picked up in the paint. Yep. Yeah. He's putting up numbers, 29.6 points per game, 10.8 rebounds, and then 2.8 assists. Was pretty dominant. Then moving on to the last guy, uh, Kevin Durant. He's not in that top three range for me right now, but um, Kyrie has played exceptional. So I think his help has definitely uh, boosted Kevin Durant. Plus, with the addition of Harden, you know, you have three go to players, and Kevin Durant just capitalizes when the ball is given to him. So I think this season, he's definitely in that talk. I don't think he's top three right now, but once the Nets start getting rolling, I think he'll definitely be top two by the end of the year. Yeah, Durant's a guy. I mean, like, I think we all forgot how good he was and how much we missed him, like, having him in the league just as far as watching highlights and stuff goes. I mean, the dude is – I don't care what anybody said. He's seven feet tall, like, with shoes on at least. He might be 6'11", like, barefoot, but he's at least seven feet tall. Moves just as well as any guard in the league, and – I mean, it's kind of hard to put somebody um, above Jordan. So I'll just say he he's – when you're talking about the greatest scorer of all time and stuff, he's got to be up there with his size and his ability to shoot from basically from anywhere on the floor. It's crazy. And uh, as far as MVP talk goes, I mean, he's averaging 27, 7, and 4. He's playing pretty good defense. He's got a steal and a block per game. Um, missing time, like you mentioned with Embiid, might hurt him too. And just the fact that he's got two other stars on the team, especially a superstar like Harden, it might might hurt him a little bit because people might hold that against him and stuff. But just, yeah, talking – the fact that we're even talking about Kevin Durant as an MVP candidate coming off one of the worst injuries you can have in sports and tearing your Achilles and missing an entire season, I mean, it's crazy. So yeah. he's back. Speaking of Achilles tear, uh, the Sixers played a Rockets tonight. DeMarcus Cousins is on that team. So you could definitely tell that could prove Durant's point. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins coming back from his Achilles injury. He played with the Warriors, played in the finals, but then he got hurt again with the Lakers, granted. But uh, he hasn't been the same ever since his uh, Achilles injury with New Orleans. No, yeah, he was a guy, too. He was so fun to watch. I mean, sometimes it'd be, you know, a little annoying. He's one of these guys constantly getting technicals and stuff. And are they deserved all the time? I don't think so, but... Again, he was just one of those league pass guys where you like to see, you know, the guys, again, seven feet tall, shooting 40% from three, putting up 35 points, 13 rebounds, a couple assists, like him and AD and 
New Orleans was a really fun thing to watch. It was never really going to work out like, you know, championship wise, but that was just a really fun duo to watch. And to think about it now, yeah, Boogie's been out of, out of the scene for so long. Now he's just kind of on the rockets that are kind of uh, like the Island of misfit toys, I guess. It's just, you've got John wall, you've got Victor Oladipo, Boogie cousins, like sounds great on paper, but then you're like, these guys were all hurt with major injuries the past couple of years. That was a great way to put it. Now, I know it's way too early for playoffs, but looking at these standings, what do you think come playoff times, how do you got, how these guys perform and where their teams are going to end up? Um, I think I'll start with the Eastern Conference because we have two of our four um, MVP candidates in there. And, I mean, right now, obviously, the way Philly's playing, if Embiid can stay on the court consistently, I get if he misses a couple games here and there for – load management, whatnot, obviously being seven feet tall. And he's now playing, I think, about 32, 33 minutes a game. Uh, you know, keeping him healthy and ready is something that's important. But if he can stay on the court come playoff time, it's going to be Sixers and Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't really see – I don't see Milwaukee getting in. Yeah, I don't think – I don't think they can do that. I think um, Brooklyn will handle them if it comes down to that. And between those two in the Eastern Conference Finals, it's hard to say. Like, it, it's – I think James Harden had a quote the other day. He just said it's going to be really hard for somebody to beat us four times in a best-of-seven series. And he's got a point, but at the same time, A, all those guys have to be healthy too, and Kyrie has to be on this planet come playoff time, hopefully. Sure. But um, it's going to be tough because I think Simmons is – one of the best, if not the best defenders in the league. He'll be out there and Bede will have the paint locked down. They'll have no way to stop Embiid. But if the if the Nets are just putting up 130 points, you know, five of those seven games, I don't know if Philly can match that. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited. I think uh, Milwaukee and Boston, they're definitely contenders too. But, uh, you know, if the Sixers could play the way they've been playing, step up their defense, step up their shooting, keep giving it to Embiid. Simmons has really stepped up. Even though they lost three games in a row on the West Coast, he's been putting up way better numbers on the offensive side. And he's definitely a defensive player of the year candidate. Then also Tobias Harris, if he gets up his play, then they're going to be tough to stop. But like you said, the Nets putting up all those points, they had Irving, Harden, and KD, like one of the three most, if not top 25 prolific scores in NBA history, all on the same team. But I think their weakness is down low. They have DeAndre Jordan, but no one really else. When you're playing guys like the Sixers, Milwaukee, you're going to get exposed down low. And we'll have to see. It all depends on the type of style that come to playoffs. Like the Sixers, they're obviously going to go down low to Embiid. But the style that they play can big man and post scoring beat like outside scoring, perimeter scoring. We'll have to see. And moving on to the West. Jazz are looking pretty, pretty good. 23 and five right now. But I think Lakers, they got a great supporting cast. Honestly, I think it's going to come down to Utah, Los Angeles Clippers, and Los Angeles Lakers, depending on what the matchups are. I think Utah, with the way they're playing right now, I think they could beat the Clippers. But I'm not sure about the Lakers. When they're all healthy, they got all these guys, great bench. But, um, you can't really beat LeBron in AD. It's, it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, the, I mean, 
you had a great point about the Lakers bench. So I'll start off on that. They're just such a deep team. And I think that's something that's so overlooked in today's NBA and just kind of in general in all sports. Your bench and how far you can go in is something that's it's priceless, really. And that's something that um, when we just talked about Brooklyn and their lack of um, help down low and things like that, I think they've got Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan down low. And I, I can't see them stopping uh, Giannis or Embiid. And um, the Lakers, I mean, when they acquired Schroeder in the offseason, they got Montrez Harrell, who were the um, winners. They were, it was a winner and uh, a finalist for sixth man of the year. And I mean, you're basically getting the two best bench players in the league now on your team. That was already pretty deep. And they just have a great um, cast of supporting players. KCP, he was pretty good in the playoffs. Danny Green's gone, but um, I don't think they'll miss him too much playoff-wise. He, he struggled at the end, but guys like that, Kyle Kuzma, um, I'm trying to think. I mean, Caruso doesn't put up crazy numbers, but obviously he's like a glue guy on that team. Everybody loves rooting for him, and he can do some some special things. And like you said, anytime you've got somebody like LeBron and AD on the same team, really hard to bet against them. It's all about chemistry, I think. You know, the Lakers, they have those same core. They're in they're uh, still trying to get those new guys in, but I mean, it's all about chemistry, the way you pass, the way you defend, you know, it's the way you lead the team. And you definitely got a leader in LeBron. He's been there for 18 years. And uh, when the Sixers played Utah, I think it was back on Monday, I, I was watching the game. I'm like, oh my gosh, their perimeter's shooting. I've never seen anything like it. Jordan Clarkson put up 32 off the bench. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to win sixth player of the year. You also have guys like Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert. He might win defensive player of the year. Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell, Mike Conley. Like, they're pretty scary, too, so you can't count them out. Yeah. And I think uh, you said something about, like, how the team's got to get rolling going into playoffs. I think that's the same case for uh, college basketball. So I definitely wanted to touch upon that today, college basketball. I'm wearing my Terps hat. They play tonight. They're playing Nebraska. Nebraska is one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. But right now, the Terps are 12 and 10. They're, I think, 6 and 9 in Big Ten play. And uh, they're not really a great team, but they could be a sleeper team. They got to get rolling here at the end of the regular season going in conference tournament play. But um, what are your thoughts on uh, your uh, Duke, Duke Blue Devils? Um, Pass. That's no, but um, I, I'm just looking at the ACC standings. I kind of feel guilty, like, as a Duke fan. I don't really know that much about the team this year, and that's kind of the way it is with all college yeah. sports now, the one-and-dones. But they're 8-8 eight and eight right now, um, you know, 500 team. They're basically in the middle of the ACC, which has been very underwhelming conference so far for all the great teams that are in that conference. Duke's unranked. UNC's unranked. UNC's only 7-5. and five. Duke's 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, they have Virginia Tech, Florida State, and UVA ranked. Obviously, UVA is a great team. Like they'll be, I think, a two seed, maybe, maybe a three seed if they were to slip a little bit. But obviously, they're going to be one of those top seeds in the tournament. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a tough year as a Duke fan. You just see the teams they lose to, and you wonder if that's a COVID thing. Uh, like they now have um. Jalen Johnson just backed out of the season and he's just going to wait for the draft. And in some ways you can't blame him, but uh, you know, it's been 
a tough year for Duke and you kind of wonder as a fan, like, is this the end of coach K? I don't want to say the end, but like, is this the final years? Like he's, he's pretty old. I think he's in his seventies and just the way the program's going, they might in a couple of years, just go for that big shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, this year has definitely been different with COVID no fans that plays a big part in college basketball, but like you said, big uh, blue bloods like UNC Duke, uh, they've been struggling. Who else? I know Kansas, they've been ranked. They've been up and down. But yeah, Kentucky was up. unranked for a while, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. What other blue uh, – Michigan State, they aren't playing too well this year. But uh, all these blue blood teams, they've kind of been struggling this year. I think it might be a trend, scary trend. Like, you don't like to see – I'm not a Duke fan, but seeing those teams that haven't been performing too well, you'd like to see them at least stay ranked. And uh, I'm, I'm just happy that they're having an NCAA tournament this year. It's mm-hmm. all in Indianapolis, staying in the state of Indiana. But uh, it was heart, heartbreaking last year not seeing that tournament play because I thought that was going to be one of the best tournaments, especially like the Terps. I, they were at least elite eight material. Yeah, it was really tough. College, uh, March Madness is my favorite time of the sports season. I mean, unless, you know, one of my teams is in the championship or something. But it's it's that's why – this is kind of an unpopular opinion for me compared to, you know, the nation and friends and things like that. But I think college basketball is better than college football. And people, you know, as soon as they hear that, oh, no. And, yeah, I'll admit, like, it's fun in college football and the national championship. You're basically going to watch number one and number two go up against each other. It's the two best teams are going to get a great game. You know, nine times out of ten is going to be a great game, very high scoring. For college basketball, I mean, when in college football is a 64 seed ever going to beat a one seed? Won't happen. Never. Will never happen. And uh, like when UMBC beat Virginia, I just remember I was like, this is what makes March Madness so great. And not having that last year, not being able to make your pools and stuff, it was, it stunk. But yeah, I'm really glad they're having it despite Duke just really dropping the ball. Yeah, I'm excited this year. Finally getting our, March Madness. I'm excited to make brackets. You see, get them busted, and uh, it's going to be a great, going to be a great tournament. I know uh, Baylor and Gonzaga. They're undefeated right now. They look like they're going to be making it to the championship no matter what. But they have these upsets. You could have these sleeper teams come in and uh, just dominate. All right, moving on to the NFL. It's the off season right now. Tampa Bay just won their second Super Bowl. But these rumors are heating up pretty uh, quickly in the offseason. You got J.J. Watt asked for his release from the Houston Texans. He's looking at Cleveland and Green Bay as his top two right now. You got other guys like Wentz, like I talked about last week. The Bears are a big contender to get him. And then you have guys like Deshaun. He's stuck in Houston right now. Um, It doesn't look like there's a bright future for him there. He's trying to get out of that situation. I think – Come training camp, I think he'll get traded around there because he'll probably ask to be to hold out. He'll probably hold out, and then the Texans are going to want some value for him. They could get a lot of value for him, probably like three first-round draft picks and a pretty decent starter. Yeah, I think um, when uh, I'm sure the Texans were watching when the Stafford Goff deal went down, and um, um, I'm trying to think who got a lot. What was the trade? It was Goff and Stafford, and then I think who got uh, a bunch of picks. 
Detroit, Detroit got, got a bunch Dax. of picks. Detroit got Goff, and I think two first round draft picks. And if you know, if Stafford's going for two first round draft picks, I love Stafford. That you know, the guy plays so hard, and he's been cursed with having a career in Detroit and things. But if if the Texans are seeing that Stafford's got two first round draft picks, either they're going to want like at least three, and then whoever's quarterback that uh, the, the other team is involved in the trade and who knows, maybe even multiple, you know, later round draft picks. So if there's going to be a trade, I mean, it's going to be a blockbuster. It's going to be one of those hard and type deals where there's picks and players going everywhere. Yeah. And then another QB, like I talked about Wentz, one of the big favors is uh, Chicago bears. I'm hearing right now that Chicago is going to offer their first round draft pick this year, which I think is, 21st or 22nd overall. Um, Nick Foles, which is a fan favorite for us. And um, I think a future fifth round pick, all for Wentz. I mean, I think that's pretty good getting a first round draft pick and Nick Foles back, you know, that's great for us. But I also would like to see like some sort of player other besides Nick Foles, like maybe a starter instead of a first, a fifth round draft pick. But um. I saw in the news that the only way that the Eagles are traded once to Chicago is if Wentz wants to be there. That's going to be the deciding factor. And then I know the Colts wanted Wentz. Wentz wants to go to the Colts. So uh, that'll be the second team that you should look out for. What are your thoughts on Wentz? Uh, Wentz, I mean, I know all you guys hate him and we're so happy to see him go. I know you're especially happy to see Hertz light up the Saints like he was Joe Montana or something. But, um, yeah, I think Wentz got a lot of unnecessary flack. I mean, you know, you saw his wide receiving core horrible. They were so bad. And, uh, I mean, this was a dude who was in the MVP talk before he got hurt the year you guys won the Super Bowl. And his offensive line didn't do him any favors. He's a really talented guy, and I think that was really just – it was it was time for that to end with the you know his relationship struggles with Doug Peterson, all things like that. And I kind of hope he gets a fresh start because he seems like he's a good guy. He's a very talented player, and I would personally be excited for him to go to Indianapolis. They've got a great O line, pretty yeah. solid wide receivers. Um, they have Jonathan Taylor at running back, so it's not like it's all going to be on him to throw the ball, which would definitely help alleviate some of that pressure. And then um, I just think Indianapolis is a pretty exciting team to watch. Like I watched part of the uh, Buffalo game in the first round of the playoffs. And I was listening, you know, podcasts before that. Like I was just telling you, I love the Bill Simmons podcast. And they were talking about that game. And they said, you know, Indy's a scary, um, a seven seed. They're a scary seven seed. And I mean, they had Rivers last year at quarterback and, Clearly, you know, he was at the end of his career. He's retired now. I think having a young quarterback like Wentz who really needs a fresh start and is, I, I, in my mind, hopefully he's determined to kind of show everybody like, hey, I was I was on track to win MVP one year before. Yeah, I and Colts, they got great defense. They got like a top yeah. three, top five defense. And uh, uh, as a, I'm kind of stuck in between with the Wentz situation, you know, he had – you have to consider Doug Pearson's coaching wasn't that great for him last year. The front office drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round, like that doesn't put any confidence on Wentz. But also, like, if you watch his games, he's throwing downhill passes to uh, Miles Sanders in the backfield, who 
Boston Scott in a backfield, he, he's not making those throws. He, he just – you can see it in the games. He's not making the throws he should be. And uh, I know the O-line, we had uh, the NFL history, the most O-line combinations in one season. I think it was 13 this year, yeah, which is crazy. absolutely insane. But, so on, yeah, it's so unhealthy for a team too. I mean, when you take into consideration, you know, if that was really the record for most combinations, you figure there was probably some guys playing out of position too. It might not seem to a, you know, such a big deal for um, people don't really get it. But I mean, I never played football, but you know, everything your dominant hand is on the outside when you're playing the position you want and things like that, and just a big shift. I agree. Speaking of big shift, the last name that I just talk, uh, talked about earlier, J.J. Watt. Uh, Cleveland is looking like his favorite right now. But I would think that Green Bay, they got a nice team up there. You know, they just lost to Tom Brady, but the Packers still look pretty stacked right now. So if – I mean, Cleveland's on to come up too. They're a good winning team as well. But I would ultimately pick the Packers because I feel like they have the best chance of making to the Super Bowl over Cleveland. And uh, J.J. Watt is in this twilight of his career right now. So I don't want to go to the team who would probably win, have the highest chance of winning. I think um, I think either of those options would be really cool for him. I kind of think the Browns would be cool in a way, just in like uh, the aspect we talked about. Like um, it's a young team that's really talented. I mean, they made the playoffs for the first time since I think, what, 2002, was that it? Yeah. yeah. Last time, something like that. And um, they scared Kansas City. Now, granted, you know, Mahomes went down and obviously now he has to have surgery on that toe, that turf toe thing he's got. But I mean, they, they really gave Kansas City a run for their money. And do I think Watt is, you know, the X factor and that's gonna lift them to the two seed in the AFC. No, I mean, like you said, he's in the twilight of his career, but I mean, he's he's still such a great locker room presence. Even in Houston, when their season was in the dumps, he was ripping guys for not trying. And I think he can still make a difference without necessarily being that superstar, you know, defender that he once was. Totally agree. All right, now moving on to hockey, NHL. Tim is a Devils fan. I mean, speak for itself, like, the Devils aren't really that good. I mean, they haven't always been, but I'm a Flyers fan. Uh, they just had a week-long COVID break. Claude Giroux was out with COVID. Uh, Justin Braun, you know, it kind of sucks. The NHL is taking a massive hit from COVID, and um, a lot of teams have struggled with that. But the Flyers get back on the ice tomorrow night. I believe they're home against the Rangers. And then on Sunday, they're out in Colorado, or I think it's Utah. Where's that? Lake Tahoe? Where's that located? Utah? Lake Tahoe. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's in Utah. Yeah. Oh. They're, they're playing the outdoor games at Lake Tahoe. And uh, okay. the Flyers and Bruins are playing on Sunday in Lake Tahoe. So that'll be pretty cool to watch them play there. What are your thoughts on your uh, Devils? Where are they? Are they ranked last in the division right now? Uh, no, they're not in last, and they just got back. For, oh, Lake Tahoe is on the border of Nevada and California. So we're both, I just looked it up because I honestly didn't know the answer. I just kind of went with what you said. Uh, no, the Devils are 
In the East Division, they just won. They beat the Rangers 5-2 to two last night, and um, they just came off their COVID thing. They've played the least amount of games in the East Division with only 10, while most other teams have at least 12 or 13, some up in 14 and 15 range. Yeah. But they're 5-3-2. Uh, and two. Their goals for and goals against are the same at um, 28. And they are ahead of the Rangers and the Sabres. And again, they beat the Rangers last night. I remember uh, right before the COVID happened with them, they were supposed to play the Flyers, I think, last Thursday or two Thursdays ago. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't actually looking forward to it because I know I would have, it wouldn't have been good for me. You know, I think you and Stu both uh, tagged me in the uh, loss, which was, it was tough, but um. You know, they're not – I don't think they're quite the laughing stock of the league. It's not like they're a um, – I'm trying to think of the NBA for a comparison. Like the Timberwolves were at the, just the bottom of the division or how the Knicks were like last year. Yeah. I think uh, for the playoffs, the top four teams of each division move on to the playoffs. So there's a lot of season left. They could definitely make it. But the East is stacked. Like now that Boston yeah. – and Buffalo moved. I mean, Buffalo's not really great either, but now that Boston's moved in a division, they changed these divisions up because of COVID mm -hmm. and like distance wise. But um, like Bruins, Islanders, Flyers, Capitals, Penguins, like that's going to be tough to get ahead of those teams. And then. All right, last but not least, move on to the MLB. Spring training is starting soon. I know pitchers and catchers for most teams got reported down to their uh, spring training campsite. So uh, you're a Yankees fan. I'm a Phillies fan. I really need to do my research more on the Phillies. I know they got a lot of help with relief pitchers. So they're, they're supposed to be middle of the pack, supposed to make the playoffs, hopefully. But you're a Yankees fan. You got a lot of high expectations. Yeah, I mean, uh, I listen to them. Um... There's a Yankees podcast that I listen to pretty frequently, and right now they're doing episodes on each individual player and kind of talking about their hopes. And, you know, 90% of that roster, they're saying, you know, is good. Like, yeah, I don't want to say – I mean, I think this every year, but, I, again, this is one of those things. Like, I think it's our year. I think there's no reason that we shouldn't at least come out of the American League. I mean, the Dodgers are going to be tough. They keep adding weapons, and the Padres are also out in the National League which is scary. The Mets are making moves, but they're the Mets, so I don't really care about them. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I see no reason that the Yankees can't come out of the East. And honestly, as a fan, one of the biggest things for me is, is um, Judge going to be able to stay on the field, him and Stan. And it kind of boils down to that. Like, Judge, I think people forget MLB just released, like, their top 100 players' rankings, or they keep releasing them, and they're down to, um, like, the 30s and 20s, and Judge is at 21. Obviously, that's great. Like, if you were a top 21 player in any league, you're considered elite. But when when that guy's on the field, I mean, he, I think he's a top 10 guy, maybe even top five, the way he hits the ball, plays defense. It's He's kind of like a one-of-one. One. Nev we've never really seen – someone with that kind of size and stuff before just take over, especially at such a young age. But, um, yeah, my hopes are really high for the Yankees. They're, I think they're going to win the division pretty easily. They're projected to by about 11 games. It says the Phillies are coming in third in the NL East. That's kind of a tough division with the Mets making moves. I think the Braves are a lot better than um, 
these predictions are giving them credit for. It says that the Phillies are actually going to be a game better than them in the standings. And then the Nationals are coming in second. The Marlins are in the basement. Don't worry about them. But um, I think the Phillies are definitely going to have to have their work cut out for them. Having uh, Real Muto back was huge for them. I mean, he's probably the best catcher in the league, if not, you know, top three. But, uh, yeah, if you guys lost him, that would have been really devastating for you. But I'm just really glad baseball is back. Um, I know Cuomo said 10% of fans should be allowed at, like, Yankees games and stuff, which honestly I think is kind of a low number. You figure it's an outdoor stadium that fits 50,000 people. You can't let 10,000 instead of five. But, I, you know, I hope to make it to a game at some point. Tickets might be crazy, but probably have a bit, way better chance of catching a foul ball at a baseball game. So if that's ever been a, a dream of yours, I, you know, get down to Citizens Bank probably Westchester people and I'm going to try to make it up to the stadium in the Bronx, but I'm very excited for the MLB season. I, I'm, I think it'll be really entertaining. I know. Hopefully COVID goes away because one of my favorite or one of the things I've been dreaming about is meeting up with Tim, going to these Philly games, you know, the Sixers games. Like I'm just so excited. Uh, we're 30 minutes away from each other when yeah. I'm down on campus. So, uh, uh, thank you for joining me, Tim. Did you get your ashes today? Today's Ash Wednesday. I did not today. And uh, I ate meat. I ate meat on several right. occasions today. Yeah, great Catholic school example here. You know, I might have to uh, go to confession tomorrow and talk to my theology teacher, how to save me. But, you know, thanks for having me on, Bobby. This is great. I was so excited. And uh, hopefully again in the future, maybe later on in the NBA season when things are going on and MLB starts up and we're in the playoffs for some of these leagues and some free agency heats up for the NFL to get on again, do this again. This was no great. Problem. Thank you for joining me. Hopefully you'll come back soon, which I will definitely have you back. You've been a great guest. And uh, thank you for joining me. I'll see you.